Welcome to another exciting weekend message from Encounter Church. For more information, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. All right, well, good morning, everyone. My name is Jared Lonza. I am the lead pastor here, and it is just so good to see all of you today. Yesterday was an awesome day at our Back to School Bash. I, can't, I just still can't believe the numbers of people. I mean, people always sneak into the sides, too. We have a registration table in the front. There's always people coming in at other entrances. So we could have had easily over 800 people uh, that we served at the event. So thank you to everyone who did serve. Um, just a reminder that today is the last day here at our Will Slayer Elementary. We're moving back to Arsenal Middle next Sunday. Well, today is the finale of our three-part series called Together. We have been taking a journey through Scripture and examining relationships that have been found in the Bible that we can learn from about how our lives should be lived together. The end of that message trailer there said that life was not meant to be lived alone, that it is meant to be lived together. And that's this, this, as we move into the season of the fall and we begin our life groups, we're really pushing to understand that the relationships is really the core of everything that we are trying to do here. So last week we talked about this idea of mission mission, that Jesus sent the disciples out in pairs and gave them a job to do, and lives were changed dramatically for it. And we understood that from that mission, that we are a part of that, and that last week's main idea was that God, we are on a mission from God, similar like the Blues Brothers, right? We are on a mission from God, and we don't, we got, we're going to go out, we're going to wear the cool suits, you know, and we're going to bring the message to the people. Well, this week, we're going to explore one last relationship in Scripture that I think is important that, uh, that will help us learn and grow in our faith, and that is the concept of, of growth, growth. You know, we talked about friendship. We talked about how relationships, when they're formed, can provide loyalty and, 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 and just belonging. We talked last week about mission, how when you come together, sometimes there's, there's a job to do or a purpose. And this week, we're going to talk about how, how oftentimes we, are, we, we should be growing in a, in a relationship. You know, when I was in college, I was a freshman in college, and I got a, a part-time job as a youth pastor uh, or a youth, a youth worship leader at a youth group. And the youth pastor there, his name was Don Dodge. And I was, as I was thinking, putting my message together this week, I remembered Don because Don has been an, an instrumental individual in my life. Don took me under his wing we went out every week for pizza at a place in Lakeland, Florida, where I went to school called Palace Pizza. And at the time, I thought it was the best pizza on earth. I have since discovered there is much better pizza than Palace Pizza. But um, we would go every single week to this place, and we would spend time talking about ministry. We'd talk about what I was learning in school. We would talk about um, the, the work I was doing in the youth group as the worship leader. We would talk about leadership. We would talk about anything, personal things. We'd, we became such good friends. I mean, he was probably easily 10 years older than me, but he just must have seen something inside of me that he really enjoyed connecting with. And, and so we would spend time every week. We got to know his wife and my wife and I, both of us became good friends with them and then their kids. And I will tell you that Don Dodge has been an instrumental person in my personal life. He's been an instrumental force in my ministry life, my spiritual life, and as a leader, Every once in a while in life, you come across people like that. People who, when you have a, a solid relationship with them, you can learn from them. People who will move you forward in life. So much so that it's been, it's been over 15 years, I think. 15 years since I graduated college. 
And just last year, we went to Disney World with our kids, and they live in Lakeland still. And we went and saw them and visited them for the first time since we had moved away from college. And it was like we never left. And I just texted him this week and told him how, how grateful I am for him. And I said, I was just thinking about you this week, and I just want you to know how much of an impact you've made in my life. And, and he's grateful for you. He says, I'm honored. And I told him I was going to be giving him a shout-out in the message today. Now, why am I talking about this? It's because there are relationships in our lives that, that are beyond friendship. They're beyond even mission. They are at a place that is so deep where you learn from each other to a point where they become a part of who you are. And my relationship with Don was that way. Now, maybe, maybe for you, you can think about the relationships that you've had in your life. Could you identify someone who's made a strong, positive impact in your life? Somebody where you look and you say, you know, this thing about myself, this part of who I am, the strength that I have inside of me, or this, this, this thing that I enjoy about myself, I've, I know I can trace it back to this person and their influence in my life. Maybe it's a teacher. Maybe, it was a, maybe it's a family member. Maybe it was a friend or a coach. Oftentimes in sports, it could be a coach who really just takes it into your life. Maybe it could even be a supervisor at work. Most people don't think of their supervisors as being someone who makes a strong impact in their life, but I've had a few really good supervisors in my life. And it could be anything for you. What I'm asking you to do is just think about it. Is there someone in your life that you can say, you know what, I'm so glad I know that person because I've just grown so much being around them. And I think that's the important thing, an aspect of relationships that we oftentimes forget. I mean, we know about friends. I mean, who doesn't like hanging out with their friends? I want to go and, and go to, you know, baseball games, and I want to go to concerts and or watch TV and movies, and I want to share those moments with my friends. And we, we know about with church and, 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 and maybe even community groups where there is a purpose for groups. When you know someone, you have a relationship that the reason you get together is to do something. But most of the time, we don't think about growing as a person because of our relationships. But today we're going to examine a relationship in Scripture that really points to this. And it was really incredible what happened. There's a, there was a man named Timothy, a man named Timothy in the Bible. Timothy was kind of an interesting, interesting dude. He, he was half Jewish. So most of the people you hear about in, in Scripture were, were Jewish individuals because that's where Christianity came from. They came out of the Jewish people. Well, Timothy was born in a town called Lystra, which was not anywhere close to Israel. Okay, so so Timothy was born in a town called Lystra, and he is half Jewish and half Greek. That would be sort of the equivalent of, like today, of having maybe a Christian and a Muslim be married to each other. Like it was just, it, they were just, they didn't associate with each other. One was a Jew, the other was what's called a Gentile, okay? So, so Timothy grew up in this place called Lystra, which is now in modern-day Turkey, so Israel is here, and then you go north up to Turkey. That's where he was from. Timothy grew up in a home with a, with a Jewish mother, and she taught him the scriptures. But what happened was, is there was a man named Paul. There was a man named Paul who, who had such a radical experience with Jesus. Paul grew up as a Jewish man as well, and, had, and actually made it his life's mission to go around hunting down any Christian that he could find. He was so zealous for, for God's law that he couldn't see that Jesus was the redemption or was the fulfillment of that. 
And so he started going around hunting people down. Well, along the way to a place called Damascus, God got a hold of Paul, and he had this incredible conversion experience where he had a moment where he met the living God. Now, I can tell you something. I have not had an experience quite as powerful as Paul's, but I will tell you that I have had an experience with God where I cannot deny that I know I have met the God of the universe. He intersected with my life. And if you have ever had that moment, you know what I'm talking about, but I want to tell you something today. This is a little side note. If you have never had an experience with God, I want to encourage you to pursue it. That's one of the things that we're trying to do here. We call our church Encounter Church because we want to foster a place where people can meet God. I mean, on this banner over here, we have three things. One of them is experience, and experience is what we want to do. We want you to come on Sunday mornings. We want you to to know that God is alive and he's real. And maybe some of you are here searching today, and you're saying, you know, I'm coming to church, and it's just like my last shot because I just don't know if faith is is for me. I feel like maybe I grew up in church or it's just not for me. There are experiences that you have with God that will transform your life and will change everything forever. And Paul had one of those experiences. So Paul, because of that, then couldn't hold it in. And he went from town to town to town all over the place. And we know them as Paul's missionary journeys. So he left Israel. He left the comfort of his home and traveled all over what was considered the known world at the time. And he ended up in a town called Lystra. And he met a little man named Timothy. And he met him there. And Paul and Timothy had this connection, this immediate relationship, similar to what happened with Don Dodge and myself. I was a young man, and he was a leader who was doing some great things, and he just took me under his wing. And the same thing happened with Timothy. And they had this, this budding relationship. And now, over the time, of course, of history, we've seen that Paul and Timothy actually have had a really incredible relationship. And so we're going to pick up today and examine this, uh, this, this passage of Scripture. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to pull out uh, that Bible and open to 2 Timothy or the words will be here on the screen. And, uh, or if you have a tablet like I do, you can follow along. But we're going to kind of read through this and just imagine this as a letter, because that's what it is. We think of the books of the Bible as like a novel. But most of the New Testament are actually letters that were written from, from people. And most of them were written by this man named Paul. And this is Paul talking to Timothy, that guy we're talking about. Verse, chapter 1, verse 1. This is a letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I have been sent out to tell others about the life he has promised through faith in Christ Jesus. And look at this, verse 2. I am writing to Timothy, my dear son. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. Look at that. I underlined it. Timothy, my dear son. Paul was not writing a letter to this guy in just any old person. He was writing a personal letter to a friend, to someone that he cared about. But Paul was also taking a very specific role in Timothy's life, and that was to help him grow. Paul knew that Timothy had a calling in his life. Paul knew that he had a relationship that was driven towards a purpose, that that Timothy was called into ministry and to, to be able to be like Paul and share the gospel of Jesus all over the world. But he also knew that if Timothy didn't have anybody helping him, that he wouldn't be doing a very good job of it. So Paul decided to take the responsibility on Timothy like a son. Let's continue. Verse 3. He says, Timothy, I thank God for you. The God I serve with a clear conscience 
just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. That doesn't sound like somebody who's just like an acquaintance, right? Night and day, I constantly remember you with my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears when we parted. I don't know. Do you cry about people that you that you just barely know or someone that maybe you work with, like your coworkers? When I left my job at Beeline downtown, I didn't cry. I was I had joy in my in my eyes. But at some point, apparently, Paul left Lystra and left Timothy there. And he said, I remember your tears when I left. And I will be filled with joy when we are together again. Verse 5, I remember your genuine faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. So we see something here. There is a strong relationship of love of friendship and care. There is a connection between Paul and Timothy. And so they have that friendship that we talked about two weeks ago. They have that deep loyalty to each other and love where they like spending time together. He actually wants to get back to him and hang out with him and, and spend time, you know, just shooting the breeze and what's going on and, and, and encouraging each other. He has that element of, of mission that we're going to see in just a moment of that we are in this for a purpose. But he also knows that there's something that he needs to do, that he needs to grow, that it's not enough. But it also tells us that there was evidence of spiritual growth in that family and passing it along. This is a pattern of faith, and we see it all throughout Scripture. What, what Paul just said there was that it's not just enough for us to know our faith, to know who Jesus is. Paul was actually saying, he was showing a pattern. He said, the faith, the genuine faith that you have was learned from your grandmother which was then passed down to your mother, which was then passed down to you. And what he's showing there is that is what it's supposed to be like, a legacy of faith in our lives, that we should, we should teach our children, we should teach, learn from our parents, that we should tell our friends that we need to be passing along that faith that we have. But also we learn something, that there is a flow to our faith, there is a design of how it should be lived out. And we have a graphic on the screen here of some concentric circles. And I kind of designed this this week to, to maybe kind of help understand this a little bit. And if you might, these might be familiar to you. On the right side of, the, of the, the auditorium here, we have a banner that has these three things listed. It says, experience God, explore faith, and express publicly. I believe in this. And I believe this is a pattern we see in our faith from scriptures. I mean, think of it this way. At some point, somebody's got to have an experience with Jesus. I mean, if you don't, what is the purpose? What is the purpose of our faith if we don't know the person that we're having faith in? But then from that place of having an experience where someone comes to church and they say, wow, there was just something different about that place. There was something different. I felt something that I've never felt before. Maybe in a conversation with a friend or in our life groups later on when we get them started and you invite a friend to your group and they come in and, and they see the genuine relationships and the love that we have for each other and, and how we're growing and learning our faith and they feel something for the first time. Or maybe yesterday at the back to school bash. Maybe for the first time, somebody felt like a church cared about them, like a church loved them. They had an experience with God. They may not even know how to name it or put a word on it but they had an experience with Jesus. And that's the beginning. It's a spark that starts the fire. But then they move on to exploring that, to growing in relationship with others. I mean, I've said this before and I'll say it again. You cannot grow in your faith on a consistent basis by hearing someone preach to you on it for, for 30 minutes on a Sunday. You can't grow in your faith by going to church. 
You grow in your faith through relationships with other people. Some of the most challenging and the most rewarding times of my life are when I'm hanging out at Scott Sober's house and he and I are just talking about what we're struggling with and our faith and our life together, you know? My wife and I having conversations with each other about ministry and about what I'm learning as I read scriptures and we pray. When I'm talking to my friends, when I'm in groups, when I go to other pastors' conferences and I'm talking to other people, it's relationships that I really, truly grow. And you, you can see this in life. You can see the opposite is true. If maybe you were at a place where you used to be in really great faith with God and you were, loved your relationship with him, but then you ended up hanging out with another group of friends who maybe weren't quite that way. Now, if you were to look at your life, you might say, man, I, my friends really have influenced me. They've really changed the way that I am. It works both ways. The people that you spend your time with are the people that you will become like. And so if you want to grow in your faith, you can't expect to come to church on a Sunday and think that that's it. It requires, it requires authentic relationships and sharing and, and, and growing in, with each other. So that's what, an experience with Jesus, but then exploring that and growing through relationships. But then that's not enough. And so we're pulling all of this together. Like last week we talked about mission is expressing that with and to others. Jesus gave a clear mandate to go into the world and to share the good news and to bring hope to the hurting. That's why we did our free market, because we wanted to meet needs of people in our community, people who needed clothes, people who needed toiletries, people who needed groceries. We gave it to them for free and said, we love you. Jesus loves you. That's why we do it, to express publicly what God has done in our lives and to bring people with us. Now, at any point, you can join at any point in any of these places, and it kind of works in a circle. You could bring a friend of yours who doesn't know Jesus at all and bring them to this place to the expressing, hey, why don't you just come out with us and serve at this event we're doing? We're having a good time. And that person there serves and could maybe meet Jesus in that moment, could see it and get excited about it. And then they say, but I don't know if I'm really, really ready to make that, that you know, decision to be a Christian. I don't know. Christians are kind of weird. Some people think that we're weird, you know. Well, why don't you come and hang out at this life group? We get together, just a bunch of friends. We have some food and we just talk about life, you know, and we just learn about Jesus. Do you see how it just, it works together? It all works together. But the sweet spot, the sweet spot of life where, where this entire message, this whole series of being together comes together in our lives is in the middle. It's when we're consistently, individually experiencing God in our lives on a daily basis. When we are spending time in relationships with each other. When we are expressing our faith together in public and at church and in other places. When we are doing all three of those things in our lives, we're in the middle space. And that's when our life, we come alive. That's when our soul is most in its purpose. That's when, that's when we are most excited about life and about our faith. And that is also the moment where people see Jesus inside of you at the easiest level because you're excited about it. You're excited about it. And that's what Paul was saying. He says, I saw that genuine faith in you and I see that you learned it from your family and I see that it's in you and you're growing and you're passionate in it. But how do we get there? Verse five finishes like this. He says, and I know that that same faith continues strong in you. Verse six, this is why I remind you, and this is what he's saying to all of us. This is why I remind you to fan into the flames, the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and of timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. 
But then verse 13, we're going to skip down a little bit, and he says this, hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me. Can we put that image back up on the screen real quick of the concentric circles? I'm going to read this last part of the Scripture, but I want you to look at this while I read it. Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me, a pattern shaped by the faith and love you have in Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me. Guard it preciously. Guard that precious truth. All right. So what Paul was saying here is that we understand this is it. This is what life in, in Christ is about. Is, is this concept of experiencing Jesus, of growing in faith with each other, and spending time on mission with each other. And at all of those points, we're interacting with each other. We're spurring each other on. There's another passage of Scripture that says, like iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We understand that when we live life together, that we are at our best. We are as sharp. We are effective and that Timothy had put time into growing his faith. He has applied what he learned from Paul. And Paul was encouraging Timothy to put the effort forth into growing, both in faith and in ministry. That's why he said fan into the flames. I have an image of a campfire on the screen here. If you've ever been camping or if you've ever, you know, maybe you were a Boy Scout or a Girl Scout and you've ever built a fire and it was starting to die or die down, what do you do on a flame to, to help the flames get higher? Anybody? You blow on it, right? You get down in there and you blow on it. And the oxygen pushes in underneath into, into the embers and it lights the fire onto wood and you end up with a big campfire. And that's what Paul was saying. He says, fan into the flames. Keep your faith strong. Keep it burning hot inside of you. Keep this pattern moving like, a, like, like water rushing into a windmill. And it pushes, you know, pushes that, 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 I forget what it's called, but the, the little apparatus that spins. That power is moving through and creates the power for the energy coming out of it. It's the same thing we're saying here. Is Paul is encouraging him and through the Bible, us, to fan our flames. If you feel like your faith is dry, if you feel like your faith is boring or dull or not relevant to you, maybe, and I'm just guessing here, but maybe it's because you have not spent time putting the energy in and you look at the campfire of your faith and you see that it has died down and there's a bunch of ash there covering over what were embers. But I promise you, Scripture is true and God is faithful to relight a fire in your heart if you want it, but you've got to put the energy in Maybe, maybe you do need a little bit of gasoline to douse on there to get it going at first. And that's, that's by coming to church. That's by taking the steps of going to the life groups, by going on outreaches and serving with us. But that's the beginning, but you got to make that effort. you got to make that effort. And we do that in a couple ways, by spending time with God in prayer and meditation. Spending time alone with God, listening, knowing him, hearing him. We also do it by spending time with others who share the faith. Because it can be hard. Sometimes I'm tired. Sometimes my arms are tired from fanning on that flame, and I need a friend. And my friends do it. There are days where I'm dry. As your pastor, let me be honest with you and tell you, there are days where I'm dry or I'm tired. 
I'm so thankful that I have friends in my life who share my faith, who, who have given a place in my life because I, I believe in this together concept. They have a place in my life they can see that my flame is, is just struggling today. And they'll fan it for me. They'll take, the, take the, 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 the box out of my hand or whatever, the fan out of my hand. They just they do it for me and they encourage me. And that's what we do together. We encourage each other. Paul said something interesting to Timothy. He said, hold on to the pattern. And I looked up the word that, that kind of shaped that in the Greek. And the word there means possess. So to hold on, right? It means to keep it like a deposit, to hold on. So when he says, hold on to the pattern, what he's saying is, is that God put this in you, this pattern, the experience of, of life with Jesus and the exploring and growing in relationships and the taking out. He said, hold on to it. Keep it like a deposit. Do not allow anyone to steal it from you, like a bank, a vault. Just like a bank holds the money for its depositors and locks it away in a vault so that no one can touch it. Paul is saying, what God has put inside of you, possess it, keep it protect it. Guard it with your life. He says that that Timothy and us, we are shaped by Jesus and we learn from Jesus three ways. One is through Scripture. Scripture. We learn about Jesus. We grow in our faith through Scripture. We read the Bible. If anybody ever comes to me, and I've had a couple relationships with with a few, few of individuals in our church and they come to me and they say, you know, I just want to grow in my faith. And I say, awesome, let's meet and we'll get together for maybe on a weekly basis or every other week or something. The first thing I tell them is, unless you're reading scripture, we really can't do much here. I can't. Like, my entire life is based on the truth that I find in God's word. And if, if you and I talk, when you talk to me about your problems and you talk to me about your, about your, you know, what's going on in your life and the struggles you're having with your faith, I'm always going to point you back to scripture because that's the beginning of it all. But if you're not reading Scripture, you can't expect to grow in your faith. I mean, you will grow minimally. So that's just one way. One way we grow and learn from Jesus is by Scriptures, to hear what Jesus had to say, to learn from him. The second is relationships, like we talked about earlier, growing, rubbing shoulders with other people who share our faith. We will learn. And you will learn from Scriptures in those relationships. So while I'm hanging out with my friend Scott, he'll be mentioning a Scripture passage that he read earlier in the week. And then I think about that passage of Scripture, and I learn from that Scripture through him. But we also learn from Jesus by living it out. Just like last week, we learned that Jesus sent the disciples out. He sent them out to do the work, and then they came back, and they were like, wow, this was awesome. But then a couple of the other disciples said, but when we prayed, only like this person wasn't healed. And Jesus told them, well, it's because this kind of, that kind of thing requires prayer and fasting. And so there's learning that happens even in our actions. So as we wrap up this entire series and this message today, I want to hit that again. At the end of our video, it said, life was not meant to be lived alone. It was meant to be lived together. Our faith should be growing. But like a fire with oxygen, without oxygen, it'll, it'll die. With oxygen, it grows. Without it, it will die. And so as we approach September... What I'm asking each of you to do is to commit to spiritual growth. Commit to wanting to grow in your faith. I mean, I can't help you as a pastor of a church if you don't have the desire to want anything more. The reason you come to church, I would gather, is because you want to find the relevance of your creator in your life. But if you don't want it, I can't help you. 
So what I'm challenging you to do is not just to come to church and to hear it and to walk out the door and check off on your list of what I was able to do this week. Okay, good, I went to church. Now I can go about the rest of my life. What I'm asking you and challenging you as a pastor is to, is to commit to wanting to grow in your faith. Thanks for listening to this message from Encounter Church. If you call Encounter Home or if you would like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterPGH.com and click on the Support Encounter tab on the left side. This is a quick and simple way to stay up to date with your regular giving. We hope you join us next week.